We've been uh, exploring what lies beneath the surface in this series. We've been looking at some of the uh, biblical passages, the deep blue passages, you might say. And today we're going to go deeper than we've been so far in this series. Uh, For as long as I can remember, I have had a uh, fascination with the ocean. It... uh, to this day, still has uh, just this mystery to it for me. And one of my books that I, I loved as a kid was 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. How many of you have read, read that? Yeah. I mean, the first time I read it, it ignited my imagination. It created a uh, kind of uh, up the ante on my interest in the, in the sea. And one of the main characters, Captain Nemo, uh, the original Nemo, by the way, um, but uh, he had this thirst for scientific knowledge, but he also had a thirst for revenge, and most of the book kind of centers uh, around that. That thirst takes him deep into to the ocean, in fact, 20,000 leagues deep uh, in a futuristic submarine called the Nautilus. And I loved the uh, battles, the undersea battles that took place in that book, the, the giant squid and the, just this wonderful imagery. I remember seeing the movie for, for the first time with my buddy Keith. And being kids, uh, we lived in the Florida Keys at the time, that movie just piqued my curiosity even more for the ocean. And so after the movie... Uh, Keith and I uh, rushed out, went to his house. His dad had scuba tanks, and we headed to the shrimp docks that were in our backyard. And so we we just dove in and started exploring. We didn't put on BCs and all that. We just had a tank, man, and we jumped in, and we're, we're looking for sea monsters and just examining stuff under under the water. And I will tell you, I still, to this day, am fascinated with, with the ocean as much as I was when I was a kid. It still captures my my attention. There's just something about looking at that massive sea and the endless sky and the endless water. You know, sometimes the ocean will have that backdrop of a beautiful sunset or, or the moon, the stars. And in that moment, every time I think how small I am. I mean, just incredibly small. And it's almost like as I hear the waves crashing, it's almost like God says, I created all this. I hold all of this in my hands. I I know everything about the sea. And Damon, I can handle whatever happens in your life. And it's always a a very um, poignant moment for me. But I've noticed something about the ocean. I don't know if you've, you've seen this, but many times when I go to the ocean, most of the people never get in the water. I mean, they just lie around. They, they soak up the rays. They keep dermatologists in business, and they just kind of chill out. But they never go into the water. And then some, they'll, they'll go in, they splash around, they wade around a little bit, but they stay really close to the shore. And then a few, not very many, they'll put on a mask and snorkel and they'll swim around. But even, even those individuals 
tend to stay very close to the surface. But then there are the scuba divers. I mean, those are the ones, they want to go deep. And if you've had the opportunity to, to scuba dive, you know there's nothing quite like diving. I mean, all the colors, the, it's just extravagant beauty underwater. The times I've been, just the variety of coral, all the sea life. And through the years, I mean, I've seen shark and dolphin. I've seen eel and squid, lots of parrotfish, lots of them, a few seahorses. It's, it's Disney underwater. I mean, any scuba divers in the house? Let me see your hands. I mean, you verify, isn't it? It's just, there's nothing quite like it. You know, several years ago, uh, I was diving off the coast of Key Largo, and there's a uh, wreck there that you can dive. It's called the Duane, the U.S. Duane. It's a Coast Guard cutter. At its deepest point, it's 140 feet down. That is uh, as far as you can go safely with regular diving gear. At that depth, everything, uh, you quit seeing colors. It's just kind of monotone. But it was an amazing, amazing dive. And you may be going, well, that seems really deep. But it's nothing in comparison to the deepest part of the ocean, the Marianas Trench, 36,000 feet deep. That's almost seven miles. Think about that. The ocean is so big and so deep that we haven't explored most of it. In fact, we know more about the moon, and we've been to the moon more times than we've been to that depth in the sea. And so today what I want to do, I want to dive deep into the ocean of forgiveness today. And I want to start with Matthew 6, 9 9 through 13. You may recognize this. This is the Lord's Prayer. It says, Jesus says, how should you pray? Our Father in heaven, how would be your name? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Some of you learn that as trespasses, as we also have forgiven our debtors or our trespassers. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you grew up in a Protestant church, you also went on to say, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But it's interesting, Jesus follows that prayer with some instructions. He takes us deeper into the the whole idea of forgiving uh, other people. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. As we forgive, we're forgiven. I believe we like the forgiving part of being forgiven in our lives. But forgiving others... Yeah, that's another deal, isn't it? I mean, forgiveness requires us to go deep. It requires us to go beneath the surface of a thing called unforgiveness. I mean, on the surface, I will tell you, there is no logical reason to forgive someone who's hurt you. 
But when you get beneath the surface of unforgiveness, well, I find a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons in the Bible for forgiving other people. I mean, one of the reasons God commands it. Christians, forgiveness is not an option for us. Paul writes this, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. In other words, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Christ followers, we, we are to forgive. And when Christ calls us to forgive, it requires our full obedience. And we talk about that a lot, of full obedience to, to God. But there's another reason to forgive, and I think it has to do with your survival depends on it. If you live without forgiveness... I will tell you, you will not survive or life will not be very good for you. You, you forgive for your own sake. In other words, uh, when, if you don't forgive, you begin to drown in a sea of, of bitterness. And much like uh, diving, the deeper you get when you scuba dive, the more pressure that you experience on your body. Physically, you, you experience that. And so as, you, as you're diving and you're going down, the, the pressure begins to build on, on your body. You begin to experience that. And there comes this, this point in diving that your lungs collapse. Your body's crushed. You could even die. The deeper you go... In the sea of bitterness, you start experiencing pressure in your life, stress. Eventually, friends, bitterness will crush you. I've seen it happen time and time again. It will crush your relationships. It will crush your health. It will crush your happiness. It will crush your life. And that's the evil one's plan. I mean, steal, kill, destroy. He wants to take you out, and bitterness will do that. You know, researchers, uh, they, they tell us that the most unhealthy emotion that you can experience is bitterness and resentment. And I think it's crazy because we, we like to hold on to our hurt as though we're going to get back at someone. We're going to hurt the person that hurt us by being bitter. And in reality, we simply hurt ourselves in that. You know, the, the fact is it starts building on us and, and wearing on us. And so we, we hurt ourselves in that moment. But God commands that we forgive. My survival, my life uh, depends on it. And here's another reason I think we forgive. Because our future requires it. I forgive because guess what? I'm going to need forgiveness down the road. That's, that's why Jesus expands on, on the Lord's prayer after he prays the prayer. I don't, the scripture doesn't say this, but I think Jesus prayed that prayer. And I think maybe he paused for a little bit. He kind of let the words sink in to the, the Lord's prayer. And then he goes, hey, in case you didn't catch it in the prayer, because you can miss this really easy, let, let me 
kind of uh, help you understand this, this debtor thing, this trespass, this forgiveness thing. Let me, let me make it absolutely clear to you. And so he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And maybe Jesus was looking around and he, he could see they weren't getting it. You know, maybe he, he wanted to up the ante. And so he says it a different way. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I'll never forgive them. Well, you better learn to forgive. I mean, Jesus says, if you don't forgive, then God won't forgive you. That gets my attention. But, but you don't know what they did. I, I cannot forgive them. Friends, you've got to look beneath the surface of forgiveness. I mean, you've got to look and understand what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. You know, you've got to quit splashing around on the surface of forgiveness. You've got to get beneath the surface of forgiveness so that you can understand it. I mean, forgiveness is not about performance. Nobody deserves forgiveness. In fact, turn to the person sitting next to you and say, you do not deserve to be forgiven. Go ahead. Oh, come on. Have fun with it. You do not deserve to be forgiven. You cannot earn forgiveness. Forgiveness is not natural. It's supernatural. It's natural for me to hold on to my hurt. It's natural for me to hold on to my bitterness and my resentment. But the natural response when someone wrongs me is to not forgive them. But when I forgive, it's supernatural. Forgiveness is not saying, I forgive you if you do this, this, and this. It's not. Forgiveness is undeserved. Forgiveness cannot be earned. And forgiveness is not based on your performance or on their performance. You know, forgiveness is not pretending. It's not acting like you weren't hurt. It's not pretending like whatever happened was not a big deal. It's not pretending and making light of the offense when it was a big deal. See, forgiveness is not a surface thing. It's not a shallow thing. The fact is, forgiveness means diving in deep. It means diving deep into your emotions, It means going deep into your honesty. What you did hurt me. It wounded me. It left me reeling. But by God's power, I forgive you. See, this is deep dive of faith, isn't it? I mean, forgiveness is about releasing the person that wronged you It's releasing them. It's an instantaneous act. And as I say that, I also want to say, sometimes it takes some time and it's a process getting there where you can forgive someone. 
but it's releasing them. It's instantaneous at a point. You know, for, for instance, and I'm going to take an extreme. Let's say you're in a relationship and it's abusive. So you decide, I'm going to break this off. You forgive because God commands you to forgive. You forgive because your survival, your future is much better when you forgive. But forgiveness does not mean jumping back into the relationship. See, trust is built over time, and sometimes trust can never be rebuilt. Many people think forgiveness is clean slate, start over right where you were. That is not forgiveness. That's not. I don't know what it is, but that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is about releasing the person that did you wrong. You know, there's all this confusion around forgiveness. People say, well, I can't forgive them. They'll just hurt me again. Forgiveness is not about their performance. When you forgive, you simply release them. Sometimes you have to work through the grief, the anger, but you can get to a place where you can forgive them and release them. But you got to get beneath the surface because if you stay on the surface... There's no logical reason for forgiving someone. There's not. In fact, there is no logical reason for you to forgive. In fact, the logical thing would be to hold on to your anger, to hold on to your hatred, to get even with that person who wronged you. But when I get beneath the surface, I see the importance of forgiving and my my personal survival depends on it. My quality of life depends on it. Not only do I need to get beneath the surface of forgiveness, but friends, you also need to release the pressures of bitterness. Number one rule when when you're diving, uh, when you're first learning your instructor, they will repeat it over and over and over, and they'll go, breathe, breathe, never hold your breath, breathe, never hold your breath, breathe. They want you to get it. They want you to get it in your brain because if you hold your breath, especially if you're descending from from deeper waters, you can overexpand your lungs. You can rupture them. It's dangerous. You can even die from it. You never hold your breath. You always breathe when, when when you're scuba diving. Well, friends, I would say the same thing in life. Never hold your anger. Never hold on to your bitterness. You know, Paul wrote this. He says, be angry. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Never carry your anger more than 24 hours. Well, why? Well, friends, if you hold on to anger longer than that, Anger turns into bitterness in your life. It changes form. And the bitterness, it begins to start you sinking in the sea. I mean, you hold on to the anger, you start sinking into the sea, and you find yourself in a sea of bitterness. And at some point, the pressure builds in your life. It'll crush you. So so how do you release the, the pressure of bitterness. 
Well, you don't hold on to it. You breathe it out. You admit you're angry. You admit you're resentful. You, re- you admit that, that you are, are bitter, that this is eating you up. And friends, I don't know why. I, so many times we don't like to admit that, do we? We don't like to admit that we're hurting. And I was thinking about that, especially this week as I was preparing. Why is that? I, I think it's a pride thing. We, we don't like to admit that we can be hurt. It's like a spiritual thing for us. Well, I'm not worried about that. I just gave it to God. I, I am so spiritual that it didn't really hurt me. When in fact, inside, it's chewing us up. You know, we're seething, we're angry and bitter. And friends, when you do that, when you don't breathe it out, it becomes toxic. You know, breathing out bitterness, the starting point is you got to admit that you're angry. God, they hurt me. I'm angry about it. I'm bitter about it. You didn't cause it, God, but you allowed it. And so it, this bitterness, it begins to grow. Anger becomes bitterness. And then the bitterness begins to spread when we don't deal with it, when we don't admit it. And so we move from being bitter at the situation to being bitter with the person that wronged us. And if you're not careful, you'll move to being bitter with God over what has happened. I think intellectually, we know we shouldn't be angry at God. But if we're honest, sometimes we get to the point and we are angry with God. God can handle your anger, but you gotta admit it. I used to think early in my Christian life that if I admitted to God that I was angry, that he'd like strike me dead. Anybody with me here? You know, like a lightning bolt or he'd just take me out. And then I figured out God's really big enough to handle my anger and that God knows what I'm thinking anyway. So he's already in here. He already knows I'm angry. And he knows I'm angry at him about what's happened. And God loves for me to meet him and to just, he'll meet me where I'm at. And he wants me to pour out my heart to him and to just say, you know what, God, here's where I'm at. You need to say it. You know, God, you're, you're in control. God, I, I know you want the best for me. I know you have a plan for my life, but God, I know that you know that I'm angry. And so f- forgive me, God. Heal me, help me figure out how to get through this. You know, David, he he wrote it this way. He said, then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not hide my iniquities. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you what? Forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. That little phrase in there, I acknowledged 
in the Hebrew, that literally means I breathed out. I breathed out my sins. I breathed out my iniquities. I breathed out my transgressions. And as I breathe out that stuff, God forgives me. And I breathe that in. When I breathe out, the healing can begin in my life. You know, when I breathe out, and I know as I say that, some of you are going, but I don't feel like forgiving them. I don't feel like forgiving the the person that hurt me. That's okay. Forgiveness is not about what you feel. You forgive because you choose to forgive. You breathe. You breathe it out. God, I forgive them by your power. Because you command it. I forgive them for for my sake because it's messing me up. I choose to forgive. And here's what happens. About five minutes later, that hurt comes back into your mind. And I choose again. God, I forgive them by your power. And when it comes back again a few minutes later, a couple days later or whatever, you keep saying, I forgive them by your power, God. I want to forgive them. I want to let this go. You know, Peter, uh, one day he asked a question about forgiveness. It says, at that point, Peter, I love this, he got up the nerve to ask. He's talking to Jesus. Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who hurt me? Seven? Jesus replied, seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. Jewish teaching in Jesus' day, the rabbis taught that you were to forgive an offense three times. So Peter, you think about it, if you know Peter's history, he was always a little over the top, wasn't he? But Peter, I think he's thinking he's being really generous. And so when he asked Jesus, how many times do we forgive? He says, seven? I think Peter thought that Jesus was going to like pat him on the back and go, wow, Peter, you really get this whole forgiveness thing. You know, Peter, maybe I should sit at your feet and you should teach for a while. I mean, I think that's what Peter thought. But I think Peter's jaw dropped when Jesus said 70 times 7. And Jesus wasn't saying forgive 490 times. Jesus was saying, you forgive repeatedly. You forgive over and over and over. Many times the the number 7 in the Bible represented completeness. And 70 was about spiritual perfection. So those two numbers. See, I think when Jesus said 70 times 70, he was saying, you forgive completely. You forgive until you have reached spiritual perfection. You forgive until you get to heaven. Every time that memory comes back, you forgive. When it comes back again, you forgive. You keep forgiving until you are healed, until you are whole. See, forgiveness is is not about what I feel like doing. It's a choice. I forgive you. 
then you can move on to the next phase of healing. See, Jesus said, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. Hmm. Forgiveness, friends, will bring you to a place where you finally pray for those that hurt you. It brings you to a point where you're able to do what seems impossible to forgiveness. So forgiveness is a choice. It's an instantaneous act. Again, it may be a process finally getting through it and to get there where you can offer it. But I was thinking in my life, I have been hurt many times. And I will be honest, there have been a few of them. It's been brutal. And so I've been upset and I've been angry. I I get that. And, And sometimes I'll take things to God and I'll say, God, you know what happened. You know that I was wronged. And God, I'm giving this to you. Your word says vengeance is mine, so God, get to it. Settle the score. Now, I'm not proud of that, but I've prayed that a few times. And I will, I'll tell you what happens. Most of the time when I go there, it's like the Holy Spirit starts whispering and pointing out this verse to me. It says, pray for them. Well, I was praying for them. I was praying you'd get, get to it and get to them, you know? And it's like the Holy Spirit says, okay, Damon, you you know that's not what I had in mind, right? Bless them. Process. But at a point, my prayers change. And when I can finally get there, when I've taken that step... It's like the pressure's gone. It lessens. When I breathe out the bitterness, I start feeling God's blessing again. I start experiencing God's favor that bitterness blocks. When I breathe out that bitterness, that anger, that resentment, When I do it in obedience, not because I feel like it, but when I do that, it brings blessings. Friends, some of you are bitter today, angry. You're resentful about something. You think you're getting back at someone? I got news for you. You're not. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. You need to forgive them for, for if no other reason, for your sake, you forgive them. Bitterness blocks the blessings that God wants to pour out in your life. And what happens when you open up to God 
and you're willing to forgive that person that wronged you, you know, whether it's an ex or, you know, a child or somebody you work with or a friend or a parent, when you, when you can get to that point, and you may have to do it over and over and over, but when you do that, God supernaturally begins to work and starts healing your soul. You know, Jesus, one of the greatest examples of breathing forgiveness. I mean, he's breathing his last breath on the cross, a cross that he didn't do anything. And it says, forgive them, Father. They do not know what they're doing. You know, forgive them. Friends, if you're going to breathe out that bitterness and breathe in forgiveness, there's one more thing that you need to do, and I I don't believe you can do it without this. You've got to experience the love of God and the forgiveness of God in your life. You cannot give what you have not experienced. And Christians, Christians, we, we talk about forgiveness all the time. We talk about being forgiven. But if you do not truly understand the depth of God's forgiveness, it makes it harder to forgive other people. But if you understand the depth of God's forgiveness, it makes it easier. I'm not saying it's simple, but it makes it easier to forgive the person that's wronged you. And there's something I figured out. I will never have to forgive someone more than God's forgiven me. Never. And I think that's why the psalmist writes. It says, how blessed are those whose offenses is forgiven. Those whose sins is covered. See that uh, word covered there? In sins being covered, the, the Hebrew is kasasa, to, to cover up. The Old Testament uh, during that time, this is before Jesus the Old Testament, people would bring sacrifices to God. And those sacrifices would cover their sins. So people would be forgiven of their sins because the sacrifice would cover it. And so sins were forgiven because they're covered up. The other day, my my grandkids were in and uh, they were down in the basement, left at a wreck. I walked down there, stuff all over the place. And so I said, guys, go clean that up. And so they headed down, and they put some stuff up, but then they hid stuff, like behind the couch and behind the cushions and, you know, just all over. So I walked down, it looked looked good. And then I got looking a little better. They had not cleaned up. It was a great plan on their part. didn't work, but uh, it was a great plan. Old Testament sacrifices covered up the sin, but it was still there. Jesus comes along. He dies on the cross. He sheds his blood. It wipes the sins out. It cleansed them. It took them totally away. And that's why uh, John the Baptist, the first time he saw Jesus walking up, he said, Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus took our sins away. He wiped them out. They are gone, not to be found again. You know, some of you think that your past, that God can't use you. 
And so you, you have this conversation all the time with God, and you go, oh, you know, God, I can't do that. Remember, remember what I did? And God goes, no, I, I don't remember what, you, what you're talking about here. I mean, I do remember f- choosing to forget that. God chose to forget it because Jesus took it away as if it never happened, as if you'd never sinned. You know, Micah writes it this way. I told you we were going deep. It says, once again, you will have compassion on us, God. You will tread our sins beneath your feet. You will throw them into the depths of the ocean, the bottom. So deep that we won't ever find them again. They'll never be brought up again. They're buried. They're forgotten. Christians, if you struggle with forgiveness, if you've got bitterness and resentment about things, it's blocking God's blessing in your life. And you've got to let it go. You've got to breathe out the bitterness and breathe in the forgiveness of God so that you can forgive. See, God will help you. You know, whether whoever it is that you need to forgive, God will help you. Right now, that, that thing that seems so impossible to do, forgiveness, if you let it go, I mean, you might be amazed what God will do. And here's the deal. I, I know because I, I talk to people all the time. You know, some of you got to let the stuff go. You wonder why life is beating you to death and you're not happy and you're struggling. And it's because you haven't let some stuff go just to say, I, for, I forgive them. I forgive them. Doesn't mean that it was okay what happened, but to just say, I forgive them. You'd be surprised what God will do. We're going to have prayer. Uh, our prayer teams will be down front. And we're going to stand in a moment and uh, we're going to sing forgiveness. And if, if God leads you, I mean, make today the day you go, you know what? New day, new day. I don't know. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to forgive and to just lay it down and let today be the day that God starts blessing your life and working in your life again. Let, let, let's stand for a word of prayer. God, I pray your Holy Spirit that um, I know there are some here this morning that you're pressing on them right now. And God, I pray that uh, that thing that seems so impossible, that you'd give them the strength to just say, I forgive that. God, I forgive them. There's freedom in those words. There's life in those words. And God, I just pray that um, today would be that day. God, I know there are many of us that uh, we have held on to 
hurt and pain. It's an ongoing battle, but God, I pray that uh, today would be the day we just let it go. That we'd give it to you, that we would live again. God, I especially thank you for your forgiveness. God, I know there are many here, I know I can speak for myself, that it was way more than I deserve. God, I am amazed all these years later. I am still amazed at your grace, still amazed at your forgiveness, that you loved us enough to send your son. God, I thank you for that forgiveness. God, I pray that the words we speak, the way we live, that it would reflect that grace, that forgiveness that we've received from you. God, we give you the glory. We give you the praise this day and every day. God's people said, amen. Let's worship together.